not be any more excited today to be talking with our buddy Jared Rudy, one of the co-owners of Norseman Brewing Company. Jared, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, thank you for having me, Angel. Uh, before we get things started here, just want to check here, you know, with this being uh, all uh, virtual here, if it's okay if I take my face mask off. Uh, absolutely. That's totally okay. We appreciate you doing that, though. Appreciate you looking out for, for the folks all around you, for sure. Fantastic. Yep. Safety first. Uh, there you go. Your face probably feels like you can breathe a little bit more now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, we're, Jared, we're, we're glad you could hang out with us uh, today. Young. And we mentioned you as one of the co-owners of Norseman Brewing. That's how you and I first got to meet what seems like uh, forever ago now. But you know, how long has, has Norseman Brewing been around in Topeka? So this uh, October, uh, here in about mm, 10 days, the 14th, it will be exactly four years from grand opening. Uh, we were open during construction. We were opening on like special events the first Friday, about six six months before that. So depending on how you want to say, it's been uh, four to four and a half years that we've been open. Um, and to clarify, I'm one of four owners. So it's myself um, and my wife, Emily Rudy, and then our business par- partners, Adam and Melissa Rosedahl. Awesome. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I was going to say, haven't hung out with you guys. That's a, a good group of people to start a, to start a, a brewing company with for sure. Um, so you guys mentioned that you've been, uh, been around in the North Topeka Arts District now for just about four years. So, you know, if you can kind of rewind back to how did this, um, how did this all get started? How did this journey for you, uh, begin? I think it's always neat for people to be able to hear kind of how uh, these, uh, these different breweries in Topeka got their start. Yeah, so it actually started. I mean, my wife back in it had been two thousand eight or two thousand nine. I can't remember sure exactly. Um, surprised me with a Boulevard Brewery tour um, in Kansas City uh, for our uh, anniversary. And back then, I would have been drinking, you know, a lot of domestic light beers, and wasn't really familiar with craft beer all that much. It was right when, right before the Big Bang, I guess you could say, right before it started to really take an uptick. So craft beer was starting to grow in popularity, but hadn't hit that uh, big explosion yet. And um, we, back then, that was before they had their beer hall, but you would take this tour, and then you would end up in like a little pub in there. And you had 20 minutes before the next round of uh, tour people came through to try um, the beers they had on tap there. So there was no limit on the beers. You just had a limit on time. And so I said, heck, yeah, I'm going to try all 18 of these beers. <laughs> and I did. And uh, I was, it was a great time. And I was just shocked by how many different flavors and aromas and colors and everything that these beers came in. It was like wine, but with beer. And it just captivated me. And I, I fell in love with it. Came home, built a keg raider, so I started buying Boulevard beer. Boulevard, I tell everybody that Boulevard uh, is my, I call it the puppy dog love. It's <laughs> what got me into craft beer, and I fell in love the first time with craft beer. To this day, still my favorite brewery. And so uh, I like to support them as much as I can. Yeah. And I started buying craft beer and drinking it at home and uh, got laid off at the job at the time. And I, my first thought, one of my first thoughts was, oh, how am I going to afford my expensive craft beer habit now? And always been good at cooking, uh, smoking meat and cooking different um, things. And uh, I had the crazy ideas. I wonder if maybe I could learn how to make it. And so I bought a, bought a, a kit, started making it, uh, continued getting more into it, fell in love with the art and the craft of all the different ingredients and hops and, and procedures and the water chemistry profiles and everything that goes along with making craft beer. And we started uh, getting really good at it. 
getting a lot of friends in the uh, networking with a lot of people who were brewers or had breweries and got to a point where we were spending 20 something plus hours a week uh, between preparing, brewing, transferring, kegging, that it became the hobby just got so big. It got to a point uh, where we were like, you know what, you know, we either need to back off or, you know what, Topeka at the time only had, had Blind Tiger. Sure, and yeah. there's no other breweries in Topeka at the time, and we discussed and thought about it. So you know what? Let's let's start make this a business. Topeka could use another brewery, and uh, so we started searching around. We knew we wanted to be in North Topeka. Um, we wanted to pay. Um, we it was just an area that I thought was underutilized and for cool new things. And so we looked around, finally settled on the building that we that we bought. That we were at eight thirty North Kansas. Um, so that's how we got into it. Um, the story of our where we got our name could be a different question because it's probably <laughs> as lengthy as where we came from. Yeah, let's talk about that that name. Because actually, I, you know, I, I think it all this time I don't think I've ever actually asked you where that where the name came from. We are on our S corp documents. We're actually called Fatback Brewing Associates. And if you work for us, you get paid by Fatback Brewing Associates. And that comes from what our homebrew, we were homebrewing, what the homebrewing was called, or it's called Fatback Brewing. And that was in regards to the many years I played rugby, about 15 years. And I was um, a bigger guy, but I was quick enough that they always put me in the back line. So I'd run the ball more. And everybody called, uh, nicknamed me the Fatback. <laughs> and so that's where I came from with Fatback Brewing. And we were forming this company and this business idea. And the girls, God bless them, you know, are uh, honest with us. And they're like, I got to be honest with you guys. You know, we're going to have an event space with weddings can be available. And if I want to get married, the last thing we want to want on my um, wedding invitation <laughs> is Fatback. <laughs> and Am and I were like, Fair enough. Okay, right. yeah, we can see that's coming from. So, what what the what should we name this? And we talked about, it, thought about it, and, and a particular item that was important to us was how can we connect ourselves to North Topeka and pay homage to North Topeka and show the uh, uh, clientele up there that, that we we're serious about being a part um, of their uh, area. And we started talking, and my, my wife, who is a, a teacher up at Seaman School District said, hey, you know, they when they consolidated the schools up here, um, one of the schools, Northern Hills, is mascot was the Norseman. Oh, and we all yeah. kind of looked at each other. And I'm like, you know what? We we love the show Vikings, you know, Game yeah. of Thrones, all into that. If you've ever been into the brewery, it already, already kind of has that Viking, uh, you yeah. know, uh, Mead Hall feel and look. I was like, wow, this would allow us to connect ourselves with North Topeka. It will allow ourselves to theme it, the Viking theme, because yeah. there's plenty of spaces for naming beers. Uh, so we're not stepping on other people's toes, other brewers' toes. And so it just fit. And it's um, been an awesome brand for us. Uh, and so uh, we love being the Norsemen. That's awesome. That's way cool. Yeah, I never, I never knew that. That story too. But Jared, you are a Renaissance man between rugby player and chef and home brewer. You've, you've amassed uh, quite the talent in your, in your day. Yeah, I guess I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And so it really yeah. sounds like that was, uh, that's uh, what, what got you to where you're at though. That, that worked out. Yep. 
Well, you know, you mentioned kind of the, you know, getting in um, on kind of the ground floor of the brewery scene um, in Topeka. And really, when you think about the location you're in in the North Topeka Arts District, you know, that the uh, Noto is celebrating its 10th anniversary uh, this yep. coming weekend, actually on the 10th. Yeah, you know, what is it felt like for you guys to really be a part of Noto and watch Noto kind of evolve and grow as well over these last few years? Uh, we have been super excited. We couldn't be happier with our choice and decision uh, to become part of the, the Noto family and help um, support them and see them grow um, along with us growing with them. So, yes, this is exciting for us to be a part of it. We're going to be doing some stuff down there at the Redbud Park this Saturday. So you'll see awesome. us there, which will be awesome. Yeah. And, um, it's been, we've had a couple places come and go, but overall, Noto down there has just been an, an amazing place to be and amazing place to, to grow our business. Very cool. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, and you know, I think that it's neat to see, you know, each new business that comes into adds a little something different um, to the, to the district. But then those places that have been there for a while, like yours too, you know, everything seems to really mold together really fast and really adapt to each other. So it's really neat to see everyone kind of growing together up there for sure. For sure. Well, and of course, it is October. So when we think about, uh, you know, new releases that you have coming out, I assume that there's probably an Oktoberfest uh, that we can pick up from you guys. Sure can. We just actually released it a few weeks ago. It's about half gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you'll probably want to get it. I imagine it won't make it past the end of October. Um, (laughs) But yes, it's a very good beer, amber in color. Hopefully, most people are probably familiar with the Oktoberfest. Marzen style, so the Marzen style is the, the amber color that uh, us Americans are are used to. Um, Germans um, in Germany anymore, they don't really do the Marzen anymore. They do the what we call the golden um, Oktoberfest. So you go there and get an Oktoberfest that's more golden in color. Okay. And where the traditional Oktoberfest are um, the Marzens are uh, amber in color. But I still think uh, Oktoberfest is still my favorite style of beer. In fact, when I got into home brewing, the first lager I started brewing was I wanted to make the perfect example of an Oktoberfest. And I spent uh. many, many, many years tweaking that recipe. And that recipe that you have there at the brewery is one of um, my, our original home brew recipes that we had perfected. Awesome. So there you guys go. You've got to get down there for nothing else than to try the work of art that is Jared's Oktoberfest down at, at Norseman. Uh, that's you know, um, looking past Oktoberfest. Any other new releases that you're working on right now? Uh, yes, uh, we got. Uh, sometimes I have a you know, with, as the business has grown over the years, we've all kind of the foreigners have stepped, and you know, we do what it takes to, to run the business, and subsequently, sometimes. Um, you're not doing what you originally were doing, you know, and I got into home, I got into the brewery cause I wanted to make beer commercially. Uh, but now I'm, you know, I'm more the face of the business and the administrative side of things. Um, and so don't get to brew as often as I used to. Uh, Adam Rosedahl actually is our head brewer and does a lot of the brewing and comes up with a lot of the new recipes that you will see on the boards. And um, he, sometimes I have a hard time keeping uh, track of all the different beers he's coming out with. <laughs> but we just released a, um, of course, our Longhouse Pale L, which is just a good old school American Pale L, not too hoppy, not too bitter, um, a good drinking beer. We also got the Papa's uh, Breakfast Stout that's going to be released here pretty oh, soon. It's yeah. like a sweet, sweet uh, breakfast stout that um, has uh, tastes like cinnamon toast crunch cereal. Oh so my God, that sounds dangerous. One. Yeah, it's, it's good. If you ever grew up, you know, it reminds you of being a kid. Uh, <laughs> You know, when if I eat cinnamon toast crunch, it's like drinking the milk from the cinnamon toast crunch. Oh my god! I had the, the pleasure to do that, so it's <laughs> that's a, a lot of fun. We got a Bohemian Pilsner coming out here pretty quick. That uh, 
Um, he's been working on for a while. And some other, you know, cool and exciting things. Just have to kind of keep an eye on our Facebook page and our Instagram and Twitter. We try to post them when um, um, we're looking at releasing them. Absolutely. I was going to say, I think your social media inspires me sometimes. I've looked at that and go, I need to go down there and try that out. So I definitely <laughs> recommend giving them a follow on, on all the social media channels for sure. Well, you know, we've, we've been talking about uh, about beer. And of course, that's been uh, been your guys' mainstay for a while. But you've got a new little project um, going on. So people are going to be able to drink, but also grab something to eat as well. Yep. So this is just the, the next uh, phase of our business. This has been in the works for a while. Uh, COVID hit and kind of slowed the project down a little bit, but we were still able to um, work through it and get it off the ground. And so if everything goes right by the end of this month, um, we should have a grand opening of our new um, kitchen um, eatery inside the Norseman. Is it Javier that's helping you with that food as well? Yeah, so you know we're brewers, and and we know we're not. You know, I can I can cook a mean meal, but I you know we know our limits and know that we you know don't know how to run a, a, a restaurant and a kitchen. <laughs> So we teamed up with uh, Pedro and Javier Conception, yeah. and you know they, who most people probably know. Uh, if they don't, they've had their hands and helping a lot of uh, startup uh, kitchens get off the ground. We're from uh, Brew Bank to Burger Stand, um, even the Pennant. So uh, they've been around the block when it comes to um, helping with kitchens and the logistics of running a kitchen. And we felt that for us to be successful um, and to make sure that this goes off the way we wanted it to go off, that being a part of them, having them be a part of us for this this expansion was crucial. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you could get any better combination of expertise than that, you know, between you guys on the brew side of things and then uh, those guys over there with the food, that is going to make for a pretty awesome and pretty tasty combination uh, up in Noto for sure. Yeah, you know, when we came to them, so, you know, one of the goals with Norseman has always been to bring something fun, new, and cool to the Topeka area to give people some other stuff to do um, and help with tourism and all that jazz. And so we didn't want to do, you know, one of the biggest reasons why we didn't even start initially with offering food is because we didn't think we could do it the way that the Norsemen wanted to do it. So we concentrated 100% on our beer, made sure to get a good following on that and that our beer was um, as good to um, A plus as could be. And now that we have done that uh, by pairing up with Pedro and Conception, we can ensure that our food is going to be as good as our beer was um, from day one. And we approached them with our idea for the menus. We had been watching a lot of shows and kind of <laughs> developing um, our own list and trying out some recipes ourselves. Um, but one thing that Pedro will point out to you is having being able to cook something at home, a couple different things, and then um, you know ha- having it translate over to a kitchen atmosphere can be different. Sure. You, know, you might you know you want to be having one special agreement for one thing. You know you want to be able to utilize ingredients through a you know a, a bunch of different. Um, um, recipes and not just one so stuff like that so we approached them with their idea of what we want to do you know has to stick in theme with who we are which we are Norsemen we are a Viking and Norwegian themed brewery we are um, you know a big mead hall when you walk in we want to make sure that what we offer there too people will still um, get that feeling uh, when they're eating our, our food 
Yeah, so you're probably not having like kale chips and things like that. It's probably not going to be the first thing that you see when you go to eat at Norseman. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear what you said. Though. What chip? Oh, I was going to say you're probably not going to have kale chips as your uh, big menu item. Uh, when you go no, to we're going to have some. We've been kind of keeping the menu on the down low for a little bit because sure. it is a different, unique idea, and um, and we think it's going to be fun to 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 announce it when when it's all done. But we are going to have some pretty cool. Um, very approachable things. So I want everybody to be scared. Like there's going to be something crazy. It's not. It's going to be very down to earth, American East. But um, as we say, it's just going to be a little north of normal. <laughs> <laughs> north of normal. I like that. Yes, north. Yeah, for us, north. <laughs> and so um, the menu should be placed here. We'll have some soft openings. We'll get the menu on the website. People can start looking them over. And I think people are going to be pretty excited about it. We're going to have a, you know, it, it is since we are doing a eats that have a Norwegian or Scandinavian type flair to it uh, might sound scary, but really it's, it's, it's a lot of food that um, has options for the healthier, the health conscious people. Sure. And we also have plenty of options for people who are wanting um, small fried foods with their beer, <coughs> excuse me, or, or whatnot. So we should be able to capture a wide audience, uh, people with our idea, and um, I, we think people are going to love it. Jared, thank you so much again for for hanging out with us uh, today. Yeah, we want to remind folks, of course, this coming weekend, um, if you're listening to us here on Thursday night at eight or on Friday morning, uh, that following day, uh, you can come out this weekend on on the 10th to celebrate uh, the uh, anniversary of North Topeka Arts District. And while you're up there, feel free to stop by Norseman, uh, get some of that Oktoberfest before it's gone uh, and be able to take a look around. Maybe talk to Jared or some of the other guys in there and and get the scoop on some of the latest happenings uh, happening over in Norseman. Uh, Jared, anything else that you want folks to know before we get out here today? I just want to end with saying that we, that that's Norseman. We love all y'all that come out and support us. We're happy to be a part of the, the Topeka community and look forward to the continuing growth um, of Topeka um, and Noto and everybody else um, in the community. Awesome. Well, we thank and appreciate you, Jared, too, because we know you guys have been a, a huge contributor to that growth up there. So thanks again for, for hanging out with us today. Yeah, my pleasure, Angel. We'll talk and see you soon. Absolutely. Well, folks, go ahead and stay tuned. Coming up next, we have the Roundup. So we're going to talk about all the latest happenings again at the local, state, and national level in government and politics. And I don't know if you've heard, but it's been a bit of a week on the national politics scene. Um, And there's also a lot of things happening down at City Hall as well. So we'll have a packed uh, Roundup coming up next. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on Ballots and Brews. All right, folks, it's time for the roundup. Our look at what the heck is going on at the state, local, and yes, even national levels of a government. We'll start right here in Top City with the City Council, who met on Tuesday. Just as a reminder to folks, there are a number of ways you can watch City Council meetings now. You can still watch them on Public Access Channel 4, which I know every one of you watches with regularity, but they also stream them on social media. You can even find past recordings of meetings on the city's YouTube channel. Don't look at me like that. You know you want to look them up now, too. A fun fact, uh, uh, most of the city council actually now attends their meetings via Zoom. So if you've ever wanted to see what the mayor's kitchen looks like, now is the time. And just so you know, it appears that even being a city council member does not prevent your dog from barking in the background of your meeting. The council had a couple of things going on this week, one of which involved everyone's favorite topic, stormwater. So I know I've got your attention. 
attention uh, to understand what went on here. You really have to take things back to uh, 2018 when the Environmental Protection Agency did as the EPA does and inspected our stormwater facilities. In doing so, they found some things that we needed to address. Uh, you may remember this made some headlines back in the day as people were talking about the quality of our drinking water and that sort of thing, not being in compliance with federal standards. Uh, our water is perfectly safe for us to drink, bathe with, etc. I feel like that's important to know. Uh, but when Uncle Sam tells you you've got to do something, you kind of got to do it. So the city's been working on how do we address these violations and get everything up to where it should be. Uh, in order to do this, they brought in an engineering consultant to help them evaluate their options and decide on a course of action to fix the issues. Uh, the result is this huge document that is no doubt full of lots of huge fancy engineering jargon. But the gist of it basically is that in order to implement what the document says, the city needs to make some changes to city ordinances, which brought us to where we are at on Tuesday night in order to approve this document. If nothing else, actually, what talking about this does, though, is it lets me highlight a really cool feature of city government, that of the public comment. Uh, there is always an opportunity on any measure before the city council to make public comment about that issue for everyone in attendance. And one of the champions of, of that uh, idea and one particular public commenter is Mr. Joe Ledbetter. Uh, Mr. Ledbetter is an attorney here in town and is probably a model uh, for citizen responsibility and civic participation. You can find him at probably almost every meeting of a governing body in Shawnee County. Joe is not only smart, but prepared. He makes full use of the Kansas Open Records Act to request public documents and reviews them with a real eagle eye. Uh, he then uses that information to question and hold our elected officials accountable, which was fully on display Tuesday night. Uh, Joe questioned the council members on everything from rather we really needed to spend the money we did uh, to bring in an outside engineering firm instead of using our own internal city staff uh, to the process for arriving at the legal consent agreement that we have between EPA and the city. And y'all, the thing is, the city council members answered him. They listened and responded to his requests. Whether you agree with Joe or not on issues, you have to respect the passion for your community it takes for a regular citizen to invest that much time in engaging with our local leaders. The measure did pass, by the way. So look out, EPA. We're on top of things. Uh, the council also heard from the Topeka Zoo uh, Tuesday night. And just so you know, Zoo Director Brendan Wiley probably wins the award for best face mask of the night. It had giraffes on it because, of course, it did. The zoo has been in a long conversation now about how it's governed. Uh, basically, the zoo right now functions like a department of city government. They do have the Friends of the Topeka Zoo organization, which helps with their fundraising efforts, uh, i.e. they're the group of people who make it possible for you to go go to brew at the zoo and get hammered with the animals. Uh, but zoo employees are currently city employees and the city is responsible for management, hiring, firing, all those day-to-day -day type things. Uh, the zoo is very much interested in exploring a different type of uh, governance model, one that would allow basically a public-private partnership, essentially similar to how the Topeka Library is now governed. But they would still continue to receive some portion of public money, but they also have the, would have the potential then to have their own governing board responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the zoo and that strategy and that sort of thing. There's lots there to still consider. The council didn't take any action on the matter. My guess is they're probably going to spend a considerable amount of time reviewing and diving into things behind this model change, but it is uh, does pose an interesting future uh, for the zoo. 
Down at Great Overland Station, uh, the county commission this week approved another round of that CARES Act money that we mentioned last week that's going out to local nonprofits and businesses. So they approved uh, almost $800,000 going out to 17 organizations in our community. And full disclosure, United Way of Greater Topeka, which employs yours truly, is one of those organizations. We received a grant for $107,000, which will be used for our Christmas Bureau program in order to provide uh, meals for families this holiday season. Uh, Outside of that, they also proclaimed it as 4-H week this week. So cheers and happy 4-H week. This also reminds me, by the way, that I'm still a little miffed that I didn't know about 4-H as a child growing up because I totally would have been all about showing off sheep or llamas or whatever they do. But that's another story. And now for the moment you've all been waiting for, let's talk about the sleepy world of national politics. I kid, I kid. I don't know about you all, but I feel like we packed a year's worth of stuff into one week this last week. So we'll start at the top. About 24 hours after last week's show aired, uh, I was getting ready for bed when I had a news alert, which is never good at midnight. And then that's when I, along with the rest of the entire world, learned that President Trump, along with First Lady Melania Trump had tested positive for COVID-19. Subsequent to that time, we've learned that COVID-19 has apparently been passed around the White House like endless breadsticks at Olive Garden. It appears that the likely source for the president's illness was the weekend announcement event for Amy Coney Barrett, Trump's appointee to the United States Supreme Court. For those keeping score at home, the list of those now testing positive for COVID that are affiliated with either that event or the White House in general includes Press Secretary Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, presidential aide Hope Hicks, senior advisor Stephen Miller, former advisor Kellyanne Conway, two members of the White House housekeeping staff, Trump's campaign chair, the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Senators Mike Lee, Tom Tillis, Ron Johnson, and the president of Notre Dame University. So far. There really needs to be like some kind of bingo card or something to to keep track of this at this point. In medical terms, it appears the announcement event may be called what's called a super spreader event or a cluster event. Uh, given how things have transpired since then, you may want to add another word after cluster that I'm actually not sure I can say on air. Accounts of just how sick the president got vary. Uh, The president was transported via helicopter to Walter Reed Medical Hospital, where he was supposed to spend a few days. Uh, We heard at one point that he wasn't on supplemental oxygen, but then we heard that he was. Uh, The White House doctor gave a press conference about the president's condition that made it sound as though he was ready to tap dance out of the hospital that very day, only for White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to basically pull reporters aside and say, come here. Okay, so things are actually not that great. Uh, To add on top of all this, the president, it turns out, is less than a model patient. Who knew? He, at one point, I'm sure you saw, asked to be driven around the Walter Reed Hospital Complex so that he could wave at his presumably adoring supporters from his hermetically sealed vehicle. You all know who else likes car rides to get out of the house? My parents' dog. Fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, Unfortunately, Buddy does not have access to our nuclear launch codes. Uh, This all ended with Trump making a grand return back to the White House, walking up a balcony and giving a salute to the cameras and not to be the pot calling the kettle out of shape. But it appears the stairs were a bit of a challenge for him. 
The thing about all this is I started thinking about it. I'm glad the president's feeling better. I wish him no ill will. I presume the first lady is better as well, uh, though the guy that's married to her has been conspicuously silent on that front. So who really knows? I just can't help but feeling there is probably a better way to set an example for how to conduct yourself during a global pandemic. Uh, The Trump campaign already took a dive in the polls following his first debate performance. So it seems likely that this latest episode will probably do nothing to improve those numbers. And then finally, last night, we had the chance to watch each party's number two choice take each other on live on stage in Salt Lake City for the vice presidential debate. Oh, to be a fly on the wall when the candidates were preparing. Get right. That's just the first fly reference you're going to be hearing during this segment. Twitter was once again all abuzz about the debate, but partly because it seemed so normal. Like they actually let each other finish their sentences. There were almost full-blown conversations and complete thoughts. Like, who knew that that was something we could do? Uh, Also, I'm going to begin working the phrase, you have two minutes uninterrupted into my daily conversation more. Uh, The candidates were clearly not just, or were clearly not winging it that night. See what I did there? That was a whole nother fly thing. Uh, But we're very well versed on the topics. Uh, Senator Harris took the vice president to task for his handling of COVID-19 as the chair of the president's coronavirus task force and set out to define what a Biden administration's vision would be for health care and tax policy. She did stumble on her response to a question about rather a President Biden would pursue a court packing strategy in response to Amy Coney Barrett's appointment to the Supreme Court. And you could tell there were some questions that she didn't want to talk about, uh, such as had she and Biden discussed what she would do should Biden become incapacitated or unable to carry out his duties. Uh, And the answer that that Pence really didn't have uh, an easy time with as well on his side of things. For Vice President's part, his answer on his handling of COVID wasn't the greatest. Uh, when pressed about rather there was any regret over this now infamous super spreader event conducted at the White House and about why no one wore masks or observed social distancing, Pence noted that he and the President trust the American people to make the best decisions for their health. And speaking of the Supreme Court pick, he did land a good answer when talking about rather Justice Barrett's or Judge Barrett's religious beliefs should disqualify her or be scrutinized during her confirmation, commenting that she shouldn't be subject to a religious test in order to sit on the court. He gave a strong defense of the president's record on the economy and attempted to paint the Biden campaign as one that would needlessly raise taxes, prompting Senator Harris to clarify that the Biden tax plan would not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Made it just under the wire on that one. Oh, and yeah, in case you're wondering and didn't catch the drift here, during the middle of a very deep discussion about race, a fly didn't land on the vice president's head and stayed there for an exorbitant amount of time, uh, at least long enough to get several Twitter accounts in his honor. Uh, Vice presidential debates typically have a pretty negligible impact on polling, and it's likely this one won't do a ton to really move the needle on those critical undecided voters that the campaigns are after. Uh, But at this point, especially for the Trump campaign that's been sliding in the polls, the the rule of do no harm is really what comes to mind. And then as for the next presidential debate, well, that was supposed to be a town hall-style debate next Thursday in Miami. Uh, However, today, organizers announced that the debate would be 
conducted virtually, which apparently was a decision that did not sit well with the president, who then promptly announced that he would not participate in the event. Uh, it remains to be seen if the debate will go ahead with just Joe Biden or not. So stay tuned. I'm sure that this will only get more complicated and ridiculous as time goes on. So there you have it, folks. That's today's roundup. Uh, after this next break, we're going to wrap things up with our take action moment for today. So stay tuned right here on Ballots and Brews. back and excited to have a member of the Topeka City Council with us today. We are so excited to have Councilwoman Hannah Nager hanging out with us today. Hannah, thanks for being here. Thank you, Angel, for having me. Absolutely. Well, it's not every day that we could get a city council member to appear on our show, so we're excited. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to talk. Hannah, you know, let's jump right into things. You know, we mentioned in some of the promo that you are the youngest member of the Topeka City Council. So, you know, why the City Council? What prompted you to want to run for elected office? Well, growing up, I actually am a Topeka native. And growing up here, my parents always encouraged us to do a lot of things to give back to the community because we had awesome opportunities that were available to us. So we were taught that you... You give back to the community that gives so much to you. So there was a lot of volunteering. There was a lot of being at different city events and county events, a lot of parades and time in the park. And so growing up, I always knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to be in service and do something for the city or town that I ended up in. And what I found was that as I got older, I really wanted that place to be Topeka. I left Topeka for college and I was in Memphis, Tennessee, going to Rhodes College. And then I went to Oklahoma City for dental school. And the more I kind of grew into the role of becoming a dentist and being an adult, I found that I was most committed to making positive change in my hometown. So whenever I graduated from dental school, I came back to Topeka, was working hard on my practice, but was trying to find a way that I could get involved in um, a more community-based capacity instead of just working one-on-one. And I served on the Topeka Performing Arts Center board. I did a lot of volunteering with the mayor. And through all of that, I discovered that I did have... um, an interest in being more involved in creating legislation and helping to shape where we are going big picture wise as a city. And through my connections on that board and with that volunteering task force, I learned more about the city council. And when I found out the incumbent wasn't going to run again, I took that next step. I registered myself as a candidate and a year and a half later, here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I should mention you talk about that you know, tradition of, of service and being involved in your uh, community. You know, I think that's actually my first connection to you as your father is my leadership career to speak a class. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it runs deep in my family to give back. So. That's awesome. Well, so you, know, you decided to go on this adventure to run for elected office. And what was that like, especially as a young professional, you know, going door to door and introducing yourself and saying, hey, I want to represent you on the city council? It really helped that I was a born and bred Topekan. Um, there's definitely 
I think this is probably at any level of government, but there's just something that puts people at ease whenever you say, yeah, I know what the issues are because I've lived them. Sure. Um, and so that helped a lot, but I'm definitely someone with a baby face. And so actually one of the most um, helpful things that I said in that whenever people were campaigning for me, when they said, well, she's a practicing dentist and she has a practice, um, people were like, oh, well, if you're old enough to be a dentist, you're old enough to be <laughs> anything, I guess. And so, um, but it was a really awesome experience. I didn't expect that I would glean so much from knocking on doors. Um, I was really nervous about that one-on-one -on -one interaction because I didn't think people would want to talk to me or really anybody who knocked on their door. And what I found was that people are very... It, it was really fortifying as a Topekan to see how friendly and open and supportive Topekans really are. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's, you know, running for any local uh, or, excuse me, running for any local elected office um, is never easy, um, but especially things like city council, because it's, you know, you see your constituents every day. You know, these are people in your neighborhood. They have easy access to you. And so that is definitely not easy. <laughs> Well, you know, and so you ran and, of course, got elected. So, you know, when you got to the city council, you know, what was been something that's been the, probably the most surprising part to you about serving in the city council? Um, one of the most surprising things to me is seeing how people take advantage of having that local official right there. Um, we get a lot of questions and it's sometimes one of the most frustrating things too. We get a lot of questions and concerns about things that are actually dealt with at the county level, the state level, and sometimes even their federal level. And so since it doesn't fall under our jurisdiction, you're, you kind of have to, you have to figure out a way to help the constituent yeah. when really you're just another constituent. Um, so figuring out how to get people to the right place, to the right people and keep them engaged in the process along the way, because if you're go having to jump through three or four hoops to get something done instead of the one that you were expecting, you can lose steam and lose interest really quickly. And so helping people get where they need to go faster so they can keep up their momentum and they can get the problem solved has been a really valuable skill that I've picked up over the first few months of serving in office. Sure. Well, I bet your email inbox probably exploded exponentially uh, the moment that you were sworn in. <laughs> you know, what do you, you mentioned a, a little bit there. What do you think has been the hardest part um, about serving on a council so far? The hardest part is when we can't do something immediate. Um, when you know that there is a problem that somebody is having right now and it's not something that you can solve in a day, in a week, over the next six months. Talking to people during the COVID-19 shutdown when they were trying to figure out what to do if they were on unemployment or how they could reopen their business, that was really difficult to hear because not only do you want to be able to, to help people, that's why... <laughs> Everybody on our city council has run because they want to help people. Yeah. Not only can you not provide like a, a solution for them, but you are going through the same thing and you're not quite sure where you're going right. either. So um, 
not that these issues wouldn't have come up anyway, but COVID-19 has really put them into sharp relief, knowing that these are huge, huge problems that are going to need to be addressed at multiple levels of government in different um, parts of the private sector, and that sometimes that aid just doesn't come fast enough. Sure. Yeah, you know, I think you made a really good point. That's something we've seen in the nonprofit sector, too, is that COVID-19 has, in some ways, not necessarily created tons of new challenges or needs, but it's really exacerbated already existing challenges and needs that were there. You know, when you think about the council now, so certainly COVID-19 is one of those issues. You know, if you had to kind of ballpark those top three issues that are currently facing the council, uh, what do you think those would be? So that really harkens back to whatever I was campaigning because we're like, okay, let's think of three things that we really want to focus on because obviously you can't do everything at once. So one of the biggest things that, especially in my district, being a very residential district and being more, having more historical neighborhoods is that a lot of that infrastructure that has been serving these houses is aging and sometimes aging to the point that it needs to be revamped in the next couple of years. And so something that was really important to me was talking to constituents about, okay, what are the next few steps that we can do in this community to make sure that you're getting all of the city services that you need and that we are supporting the other everyday activities that you do. Talking a lot about streets, talking a lot about um, our water system. Yeah. And even things down to curbs and lights and just making sure that we are not only building beautiful functional spaces, but that we are maintaining them and that we will be maintaining, be able to maintain them in the years to come. Sure. So that was a huge, and is a huge thing that continually comes before the council is trying to figure out where to allocate this money where it can best be used while making sure that we are keeping up with all of the commitments, all of the projects, all of the infrastructure we've already built and making sure that it's staying serviceable for our constituents. Another thing has really been the relationships within the community. Um, And that applies to so many different things, whether it's talking about city government with a concerned citizen, making sure that that goes smoothly, talking about um, neighbors with neighbors, that they have the resources and the understanding to communicate well with each other instead of creating conflict, creating solutions. And this kind of goes into my third because my third challenge that I've kind of we've kind of we've run into is specifically the relationship between the community and the police department and how do we figure out what are things that we can improve in Topeka, Kansas? What are the things that we need for Topeka, Kansas and not get um, waylaid by national stories and scenarios that are happening other places with specifically the policing relationship. I think what has come up the most is that people are afraid we're moving too radically in either direction. 
either too much towards and it's become a politicized issue rather than what I see as a human rights issue. We want to make sure that any person in Topeka, whether you are in a uniform or out of a uniform, that you have the not only are you statistically safe in our city, but that you feel that safety. And that's been a huge issue for both people who are dealing with the police and the police themselves. It has been really a minefield to try and communicate whenever using somebody else's jargon, because all of a sudden it becomes more politicized. And so what I have found to be most helpful is sitting down with people one-on-one and having those conversations. However, if you don't get the timing right, you can miss that opportunity to have that one-on-one conversation because all of a sudden you've been labeled this, this is what this person believes and that's all they can do. And that's all they will fight for. And it has been disheartening to see that. But I know that this particular issue is something that we need to work on continuously and it will happen little bit by little bit. And just like I said before, the challenging part is that it's going to take a long time. There's no band-aid for this. And so in having conversations about policing and a community-minded protection and talking about systemic racism, those are things that we are, are taking step by step, conversation by conversation. And all I hope is that we continue have these conversations, conversations in the years to come so we can continue to make progress instead of kind of slipping back into old habits or just retreating to our own silos and not listening to any other input. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's so important that to keep that conversation going. I think you're absolutely right is that we have to take those issues on head on. Y'all, I think ignoring it's not going to make it go away. And I think sometimes that's what we think. And, and it's uncomfortable to have those conversations sometimes, but I think they're, they're very much necessary to help our community be able to move forward. Exactly. Well, and, and I think it's something that you all will certainly continue to hear. I know on Tuesday night, there was a, a demonstration that started downtown and then moved um, towards the uh, city council building, just a, a peaceful demonstration for people to, to make their requests heard and make their message heard, which I think is great uh, that people are, are keeping up the uh, are holding people's feet to the fire and really keeping that conversation going and so I'm looking forward to seeing where where things will go absolutely and um, it can be really tiring because sure. we hear a lot of passionate voices but absolutely. what I am encouraged by too is that my colleagues on in the governing body are also in that same place of I'm, I'm ready to hear you. I'm ready to talk to you. I'm ready to figure out what we can do together in order to create a, a better system for our city specifically. And um, one of the things that the mayor specifically asked for from the deputy mayor was to set up a specific police task force. Um, In addition to what the department has been doing in the past few years, since there has been incidences in across the nation and in closer to our community, um, they are really looking at this in a very nuanced way, in a very specifically Topeka way to make sure that we are making the best choices 
for our community rather than just taking somebody else's solution and slapping it on us and saying, oh, we've, we've got it. So uh, yeah. I've been very encouraged by that and by the input that they've been getting and that they're building off of. Yeah, that's I think that that local approach is going to be extremely important. And, and you know, factoring in every single community is different and has their own set of challenges, their own sets of, of historical challenges. You know, the history of every community is different and that history is so important to understanding uh these uh current challenges as well. Well, Hannah, we always should talk to you. Uh, mentioned that you're a city council member. I didn't say which district. So you are from District 6. So sort of close to that central uh, a part of, of our city. Um, tell us a little bit about your district. So District 6 is basically between Washburn and Gage, as far as the streets are concerned, and then 10th and 29th. And so it's a... <laughs> It's the smallest geographical district, but it is dense as far as the population. Absolutely. A lot of historical neighborhoods and a wide range um, of households ranging from apartment renters, singles, all the way up to larger homes, larger families. And we have just it's a very neighborhood community feel. Whenever I was knocking on doors, it was really fun because I was seeing all of the places I grew up around. And there were even some houses where I put a little note on what I gave them. And I was like, I've always loved your house. (laughs) And so, yeah, District 6 is definitely a residential district and has really great resources like Washburn, the library, the VA hospital, and then wonderful little parks ranging all the way from Boswell Park, which is smaller and is great if you want to go ahead and do a pickup game game of like kickball, all the way to Big Shunga Park, which is obviously expansive. And so... It was a really beautiful district to get to knock doors on. And it's where what I've always called home, basically, since I was a baby. So it was really fun. Well, we thought, you know, we'd have a little fun um, talking about your district. We'll do a little bit of a lightning round, if that works for you. So let's see. We'll start off with your favorite local restaurant in your district. Margarita Haleska's. Oh, that is good. (laughs) That's a dangerous choice sometimes. Too and a good one. <laughs> your uh, favorite outdoor spot to relax in your district? I love walking. Like I said, door knocking was great. I love walking from park to park. Um, right all in a row, you can go from Westboro to Collins Park to Boswell, and you just go maybe five blocks north, a couple blocks south. You end up at Washburn. You. End- aren't that far away from Gage Park. It's great to walk around, see the different houses, and then spend some time in our lovely maintained parks that um, the county provides. Awesome. That's a good, yeah, I forget just about how many outdoor spaces there are in that part of town. That's that's a good reminder. Um, Your favorite attraction or thing to do in your district? Like I said, we have a lot of neighborhoods that are deeply rooted. Um, College Hill, Knollwood, Westboro. Um, Elm, oh, my gosh. There's just too many to name and really strong um, neighborhood associations. And the different neighborhoods put on different events throughout the year. There's parades. 
There's Fourth of July events, um, Oktoberfest. There's always something going on in these neighborhoods. So they're great places, especially if you're wanting to get more involved in your specific neighborhood. There are those opportunities. And it's really wonderful to see these neighbors come together and celebrate their little slice of Topeka. Absolutely. We can't forget about the turtle races in College Hill, man. Oh, Those absolutely. are that's, uh, that's a good yeah. time. <laughs> uh, if you had to use one word to describe your district, what would it be? It would be home. And that seems really obvious. But like I said, um, I actually ended up settling down probably six blocks from where my parents lived. And like I said, I went away for college. I went away for dental school. I did not think I was going to come back to Topeka. And really it was that feeling of home, that feeling of that investment that people have made in me that made this area so special to me and why I wanted to come back. And so. Very cool. Well, and then what is one word you'd use to describe your hope for the future of your district? Diversity. And the reason I chose that was because I, w- I want to make sure that we are serving people across the spectrum, whether we're talking about age, race, family status, um, socioeconomic status. There is already a large, like I alluded to before, there's a large range from the smallest living quarters to the largest living quarters in District 6, which is great. And I'm hoping that we can continue to foster that those relationships, that neighborhood feel. So we are interacting more with each other and that we are taking advantage of those neighborhood events and the city events that we can use those opportunities to really bring us closer together as a community and figure out better solutions for the future. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. And I think you're certainly working towards that and the community is as a whole. So I think there's some exciting progress uh, ahead. Well, folks, like we mentioned during the roundup earlier, don't forget that you can see the city council meetings streamed live online. So you can see folks uh, right there on YouTube making those decisions. And uh, for the time being right now, you can actually see what the inside of some city council members' homes look like via Zoom. (laughs) All right, folks, we'll go ahead and stay tuned. We're going to wrap up things right after this next break. Uh, with our take action moment. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on Ballots and Brews. For a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hit me get up. Fresh shot, come strut walking. A little bit of humble, a little bit of cautious. Somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby's for the game. Nope, nope, y'all can't copy yet. Glad, moonwalking in this here is our party. My posse's been on Broadway and we did it all way. Chrome music, I shed my skin and put my bones into everything I record to it. And yeah, I'm on. Let that stage light go and shine on down. Got that Bob Barker suit game and Plinko in my style. Money, stay on my craft and stick around for those pounds. But I do that to pass the torch and put on for my town. Trust me, on my I N D E P E N D E N T shit hustling. Chasing dreams since I was 14 with the Fortress bussin'. Halfway across that city with the backpack. Back, back. 
tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Can we go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can hold us. Can we go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can hold us. Now, can I kick it? Thank you. Yeah, I'm so damn grateful. But that's what you get when Wu-Tang raised you Y'all can't stop me Go hard like I got an 808 in my heartbeat And I'm eating at the beat like it gave a little speed To a great white shark on shark We rock, time to go off, I'm gone Deuces, goodbye, I got a world to see And my girl, she wanna see Rome Caesar, make you a believer now I never ever did it for a throne That validation comes from giving it back to the people now Sing this song and it goes like Raise those hands, this is our party We came here to live life Like nobody was watching I got my city right behind me If I fall, they got me Learn from that failure, gain humility And then we keep marching Can we go back? This is the moment take action moment yeah let's really think if you take a moment and just think about everything that's happening both at the as that we've talked about happening both at the local level the state level and national level there is there's a lot happening there's a lot there are a lot of conversations happening in our communities some really hard conversations um, sometimes some really maybe annoying conversations that are happening uh, but there is a, a lot of conversation happening in the public space right now about a lot of really hard issues and a lot of really thought 
thought-provoking issues. And it's likely that you might be in one of a couple of different places. So you might be feeling really fired up and ready to go and really ready to take action and, and deep, uh, dive deep into your community and want to really uh, get involved tomorrow with something. You might be somebody who is taking a step back and saying, uh, if I've learned anything, it's that I don't want to have anything to do with a lot of this stuff, but I do want to stay informed. And so there are people who are in that camp as well, who want to stay informed, but aren't really ready to take that plunge yet into to getting really active with other groups or movements happening in their community. And it's perfectly okay to be in both places. And there are actually resources to help you here locally, regardless of, of what your feelings are about being becoming more civically involved and engaged in your community. And that's why today it was really great to be able to hear from Councilwoman Hannah Nager and hear about her experience as a young city council member and what really spurred her on uh, to want to become a member of the city council. Uh, but you know what? You don't have to run for city council to make a difference in your community. If anything uh, has come out of this year, actually, it's really demonstrated how everyday people can really make a difference in their community no matter what they're doing. So if you're here local and you are one of those people who says, you know what, I want to use my voice and I want to make change, I encourage you to do, you know, one of a number of things. Social media is an amazing tool, excuse me, an amazing tool. And I encourage you to search Facebook for rather it be Black Lives Matter or rather it's groups related to healthcare or get out the vote or whatever, whatever issue you're passionate about. There are Facebook groups and pages out there in support of those movements here locally. And so I encourage you to look them up and reach out to individuals. If you see that they have events on Facebook, feel free to check out those events. And really just show up uh, to one of those events. You know, there was there is not anyone I know that will turn down someone that shows up to volunteer at, at something. And so I encourage you to look for those events that are happening uh, regarded to causes that you are passionate about in the in the community. Uh, there is a, an opportunity, as we talked about at the beginning of the show uh, with Jared at Norseman uh, coming up this weekend on Saturday, this afternoon from 12 to 3. There's going to be a voter registration event happening over in Hillcrest on the east side of town. So if you have some time this afternoon, this coming Saturday afternoon, feel free to come out to Hillcrest Park on Saturday afternoon there from 12 to 3 and help with voter registration on the east side of town. Uh, so an immediate opportunity there. But again, I encourage you to look for, for other opportunities as well. And, and if that's something that you want to do, there is also, this is a ninja plug for my organization at United Way, but there is TopekaVolunteers.org, which is a central resource uh, to look for volunteer opportunities in the community. So I encourage you uh, to check out that resource as as well. Another thing, you know, we mentioned the city council and things happening in city government. And last week, I think we mentioned some of those uh, commissions and other committees that happen at the city and county level. I'm here to tell you that the city has any number of boards and commissions that are appointed by the mayor or city council members that are unfilled, that they're always looking for citizens to fill. So if you actually go to topeka.org slash government slash boards dash commissions, you'll actually see a list of public boards and commissions that are available for everyday citizens of Topeka to sit on and you'll see many that have openings. Sometimes they require an appointment from a city council member, but that is as simple as emailing or calling up your city council member and saying, hey, I want to serve on this board or commission. And I can guarantee you that for most cases, you're not going to have to put up much of a fight uh, to be able to, to earn that nomination to sit on that board or commission. So again, that's Topeka.com 
org slash government slash boards and uh, dash commissions. So you've got that website. You've got TopekaVolunteers.org. You've got the voter registration rally happening this Saturday over in Hillcrest. You've got lots of other resources online to find ways to become active and involved. If you're just someone that says, you know what, I just really need to stay informed. There's clearly things going on that I need to know about. Uh, first off, you're listening to Ballots and Brews, so you're in the right spot. Uh, but some other things you can do, we mentioned earlier that the city actually does have a pretty active social media presence. So you can actually check out the city of Topeka on Facebook. They actually do live stream city council meetings live on Facebook when they happen. And so you can see that stream when the city council meets on those first couple of Tuesdays of the month. They also then post all those meetings on YouTube so people can actually go and access past city council meetings and all their glory on our on the YouTube channel. If you want to know who your city council member is, how to contact them or other details, you can go to Topeka.org slash city council. Pretty simple. Topeka.org slash city council. There you'll find out information about your council members. You'll actually see the agenda for each of the upcoming uh, and past city council meetings. And you'll also see minutes from past city council meetings as well. So again, lots of information out there on the internet. No matter what movement you choose to be involved with, I encourage you to find a way to, to use your voice or to become informed uh, to be able to contribute and give back to your to your community. So thanks again for listening in to another edition of Ballots and Brews. We look forward to coming back at you next week with another Brewer guest and some other discussion about things happening at the state, local, and national level. Until then, make sure to wear your mask, maintain your social distancing, wash your hands, stay safe, and we'll see you next week.